0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Ron Bainberg, president of Ron Bainberg International. And Ron's claim to fame is that he makes success easy. For over 25 years, Ron has been the USA's most trusted mortgage and real estate success trainer and coach. Ron trains mortgage and real estate professionals from beginners all the way up to the top 1% producers, those earning in excess of a million dollars per year. Too many sales professionals attempt to succeed going against what they believe, whereas Ron shows his clients how to tap into their greatest success resources, enhance their skills where needed, and then implement everything all together in a complete aligned system and methodology that works. So I've asked Ron to join us here today to talk about prospecting sales, referral partners, and the core actions that create immediate results. So Ron, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Daryl, and thanks for having me here.
0: Yeah, it's been good. We were just talking You he just spent some time in Australia we we're catching up, and I'm so excited here. About obviously, you're constantly. We know that we have to constantly reinvent ourselves and stay on the cutting edge of things. But before we get into any of that, how did you even get started? Were are your family Were your parents in real estate and marketing and sales
1: or business? You come from a family of entrepreneurs, or no? I'm actually, let's see, real real quick. Dad was an engineer. Mom was a teacher, a foreign language teacher. Two older brothers, very well-educated. One, one is retired right now, but in the finance industry, in the insurance industry. And the way I fell into mortgage is my best friend um, growing up, next door neighbor. His mom was a dynamo in real estate, super successful woman on Long Island. And she got her son a job in, I think it was 1984, 85, oh. somewhere, it must have been 84, working for a mortgage company, a, a bank as a mortgage loan officer and he was making crazy money and he right. said, you got to get into this. <laughs> and it was the first official refi boom that ever happened. You, we'd never had a refi boom, finance boom like that. And so his mom got me a job at a different bank or what have you got into the mortgage industry, had success, had my down, had my ups, had my downs. And eventually after managing leading teams and what have you, I had my own mortgage company for five years four, five years, five Mm. years. My, my partner and I split. And at that time I had started doing training and coaching, which is what I'm doing today. And I just decided that I'm not going to do both. And for 26 and a half years now, this is what I'm doing.
0: Got it. So obviously 26 years, you're just figuring out what you're doing. I'm still
1: learning. I'll tell you that. Yeah.
0: I was saying, I'm like the first 10 years, you're not even sure what you're doing. Then the second set of 10 years, you think you know what you're doing. And then the third, by the third, by the time you start approaching the 30th year, you're like, now I get the fundamentals of what I'm really doing, that the 20, 30 year overnight success. So right, exactly. you, you mentioned there were ups and downs. So it wasn't just jump into the career and
1: making money hand over fist and smooth sailing. There were, there were obstacles. Imagine this. It's 1984, late 84, going into 85. And I'm living at home, no expenses, no debt, making $45,000 a year. It's a lot of money. Oh, and they weren't taking taxes out either. That's when I was first learning about this thing, 1099. Even though it was a bank, it's really odd what, how I was getting paid. But doing really well, enjoying life, having a great time. And then in October of 1987, this day called Black Friday happened. And mortgage rates jumped 1% in one day. And pretty much my whole pipeline disappeared. Cool. And nobody, all the benefit of refinance at that point had stopped. And that's when I learned, I had no freaking idea what I was doing when it came to sales and marketing. And I thought I was good prior to that. Of course, mm-hmm. I was young and immature. It wasn't my fault. I went to another company because it had to be the company's fault, not my fault. I went to another company, did okay, but then started floundering. And it took me a while to figure out that I was the issue. And I don't remember what seminar it was. because, And to this day, I still go to seminars. But what seminar it was I went to, and somebody said, just remember this. Every time you point a finger, you've got three pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. Look there first; you'll solve almost every problem in your life. I love that. I love that. I, oh my god! I I live by that today, and I've been living by it for over twenty years. And that was a life—actually, over thirty years, really—that mm-hmm. was a life changer for me. And yeah. I, I'm on a quest for learning. I continue to learn, but then more and more success followed me, or was created by me as an originator, as a manager, then owning my own mortgage company. And then I made my move in 1997 to doing what I'm doing here. I actually didn't start out as Ron Bamer international and started out as the New York mortgage Institute, which mm. at that time, there was no formal training in the mortgage industry. Mm. I'm sorry. No, there was one company that was, did formal training in the mortgage industry. There was no other company that did it on a national basis. Mm. I formed that company and, Pioneered the business that I have today, which went beyond just teaching mortgage one hundred and one, but to sales and marketing, and that's right where I spend
0: most of my time. Now. That's fantastic. So, what would you recommend to someone who's starting out and struggling? Maybe there's someone that just woken
1: up and realized, "Oh, I need to learn to sell and market." If someone is struggling, the one thing, the one caveat we got to have to that is, right now in real estate, the housing market, anybody in real estate, anybody in mortgage. I've been around this industry for 38 years. It has never been tougher. This is the hardest market ever because there are so many forces that are working against success. But with that said, there are people who are still rocking it and they are growing their business. I have coaching clients that are growing their business because they're doing the things that I'm teaching them to do. The challenge that most people face is that, and this would be my message to someone new. And it's also my message to anybody in the business who wants to do better. And that is you have to be willing to do what others aren't willing to do. You have to learn what others aren't willing to learn. And you do those two things and then take action, take the actions that others aren't willing to take is your competitive advantage. It's not a silver bullet. You've got, you've got to work harder in this business now than people ever have. People think the pandemic. Okay, the pandemic was a f- people worked their butts off, made a ton mm-hmm. of money, but you didn't have to be good. You just had to answer your phone. But prior to that, the market for the most, for, ever since the meltdown, the great recession of 2008, from 2010, the market had been on an upward trajectory. So people still didn't have to be really good. Yeah, uh, I love and they it. they made money. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're not good and if you don't work, you don't stand a chance as a trainer, as a coach. I know you know what you do, you know what I do for a living. I know what you do for a living. When things get tough, what is the first thing that companies cut when yeah. things get tough? Yeah, yeah. Training and coaching. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But even with that though, with all the cuts happening, my business is up 7% this year. And the interesting thing is I have a consultant who works for me, who works with many of all of the other major or most of the other major coaching programs in the industry and they're all down 25 to 50%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's, but I'm doing the same thing I'm telling everybody to do. Yeah. You've got to work harder than than everyone ever have before Yep. to keep it going. Yeah. And that's how you succeed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. I believe if hard work was enough, more people would be successful. But that said, hard work is a requirement. I love I used to have this shirt. It was talent will, hard work will always beat talent when talent refuses to work hard. And that's- Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's not me. It's some football, football. I don't remember who said it, but hard work will always beat talent when talent refuses to work hard. So even if you're super talented, if you don't have the hard work, if you're not putting that in, you automatically lose because the other person is going to outpace you. And so I think that's really fantastic. That's a great message. So hard work is a requirement for sure. And not just hard work, but smart work. I had a talk with some friends, a buddy of mine, He's he's got relatives from Washington, actually, that are down here visiting big family union down in the here, like 14 relatives came overseas. And I was talking to a couple of them. And we were talking about the difference in culture here. There's still a positive birth rate. A lot of people here are worried about being their families where they felt that they were offshoring labor because they're just they felt like there was a lot of sense of entitlement and people wanted to like a lot, make a lot of money, but not have to work for it. And it's just it's and it's it's not just working harder, it's working smarter. So you can work hard, but like with my, my I call her my wife, but we're not married yet. It's going to be our seven-year anniversary in September. We just, I hired two programmers and we automated half of her business. She went from 26 staff down to four. And her business is now way more scalable. I think that's a really great claim. Now, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people
1: making? Some of the biggest mistakes that I see people mm-hmm. making is, one is overthinking, mm-hmm. that they are they're trying to, they're trying to find a way not to do the work. And look, we all know nobody wants to work. Okay. The word work is a crappy word. Nobody likes it. It's not motivating. It's not inspiring. But if you have big enough goals and you're inspired by your goals, you're willing to work. But what it is, I've had people say to me, I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. And I ask them, I go, excuse me, are you digging ditches in 90 degree heat for eight hours nah. a day? And, and, and all of a sudden they're like, they look at me like, no, I go, I'll tell you why you're tired. And Before I tell you, one of one of the things that I'm known for as a coach is if somebody's getting a result here, I can quickly figure out what they're doing here that's causing this. Okay. Good. Most people just target here. They're targeting the symptom. I'm very good at targeting the cause. Right. So I go, I say, tell me. So I'll tell I go, tell me if I'm and this is usually when someone's a new client. I go, tell me if I'm right in what I'm saying. I go, you spend your day trying to figure out how to get business because you don't like any of the things that, you know, will get you business. So you're trying to find that solution that nobody's thought of. So you can get business without doing the work. And they're like, it's, they're either silent or they're like, "Uh uh-huh. And I go, you're trying to solve a problem that can't be solved. That is Mm -hmm. mentally. And I'll usually insert a curse exhausting. Yeah. I go, that is more tiring than the fear you're trying to avoid mm. making sales calls and the work or the effort that you would make to be good. Mm-hmm. And some people get it. And some people, nope, they're going to keep looking for that thing that nobody else has thought of. Mm. And my response is, we're in the mortgage industry. We're in the real estate industry. You, I, I go, are you in technology? And they're like, no. I go, then you're not going to innovate a technology that's going to do this for you. And I go, just understand the moment the technology is created, everybody's going to have it. Yeah. Nothing will be exclusive to you. And like I said, some people get it and some people people don't.
0: don't. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. That's a really good, that's a powerful thing. And we talked before I've helped people and had success in that I've interviewed hundreds of experts, but during the pandemic, A lot of people were arguing about the science of this and the science of that. So I dropped 50 grand and hired seven, I say seven research teams because it was a couple of people were paired up. It was about 10, 12 people. And we went through all the academic literature we could get our hands on to look at what does the research say are the critical success factors for small and medium sized business. And we looked at hundreds and thousands of studies and everybody had an opinion about this, that, and I go, okay, how do we make sense of this? If it's a signal to noise thing, what are the strongest critical like core values or factors. And we found eight critical success factors and those were self-efficacy, which is what you're talking about. Self-efficacy, market intelligence, strategic planning, marketing strategy, sales strategy, and skills, money management, business operations, and business intelligence. That those eight things that every cybersecurity, legal, right? Legal due process, your hiring plan, all those things can fit into those eight umbrella categories, right? And now if if you look at companies, you can awfully identify where they went wrong. Enron had terrible money management. They posted a hundred billion dollars a year before they went bankrupt. Blockbuster, they lost contact with the market. Their market intelligence, their strategic plan was flawed, right? And so one of the things that was interesting and to speak to what you're saying is that there was a ninth factor. In Saudi Arabia, just the one study I remember, they found that two things proved ineffective and having any real input on whether the business was successful or not. And that was the business characteristics and the business environment. And then we saw this again and again in studies, which basically told us that government and economic factors, which we've made one factor, those can impact how like the odds of success for your business, but there's nothing you can do about it. And the only answer to it is to excel in the other eight categories, a hostile government, a bad economy. There's nothing you as an individual can do which goes back to what you're saying about managing yourself, right? Taking care, putting the ownership on your, having, you can have a victim mindset or you can put your big boy boots on, wear your ovaries on the outside and go
1: handle it. And uh, to your point is, and you know, you said it in my introduction that I like to keep things simple. Yeah. And so this is a question I ask all of my clients, whether it's real estate, whether I go, Are people selling homes today? Because everybody says there's no inventory. It's record low inventory. Interest rates, everybody says they're high. I go, they're not high. They go, they're elevated from where they were. I'm like, oh, I like that word. I'm like, yeah, because elevated sounds a lot better than high, doesn't it? I go, just that shift in the word, you can change a whole conversation, but I digress. So, So what I say is simply, I go, I like to keep things simple. Are people buying homes? Yes. Are people selling homes? Yes. Then are people getting mortgages? Yes. Then you have opportunity. The question is... Not how do I get business? The question is, how do I find and work with the business that's getting done or work with the people that are doing the business? Mm. That's where prospecting Mm -hmm. comes. And you talk about these factors, and I'm not going to go into it, but I'm actually in two weeks, and I'm a raving fan of his, but in two weeks, I'm going to Tony Robbins Business Mastery for the third time. And this is one of his premium top premium level programs. it's He does it virtually, but I actually pay extra to go in person to his studio to mm-hmm. see it there with five hundred other people. There's thousands around the world, but there's only about five hundred people that attend it live in person. It's a very intimate group. And in his business mastery program, he doesn't break it down to eight or nine. He breaks it down to seven fundamentals, seven categories mm. that you work on your business. and w- it's one category that you work on every week with you and your team and it it's so simple because first of all seven is a number that everybody likes and none of the categories are extraordinary it's just you're asking better questions about what you're doing and i've adopted so many of those principles in my business and how i work with my team that it's really transformed my whole operation and they're pretty much again i don't remember word for word the seven categories but they're very much in line with what the research is that you just touted. Yeah. Almost yeah. identical, maybe a different word here, but they mean yeah. the same thing. Yeah. It's really not that hard when you're looking at the markets, how to take advantage, figure out how to take advantage of it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Now if Daryl, if you told me that you were a vinyl record sales professional, I might say, you know what? Yeah. In that case, the market yeah. might be a little bit of a problem for right. you to make a career Right, out of being a vinyl record sales professional or having a vinyl record shop because yeah, yeah. unless you're shipping all over the world to collectors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colle- collectors,
0: yeah. But it's like trying to sell fax machines in an era of digital file transfer and Zoom. It's
1: just not a it's not a good strategic plan. It's, you're not I'm in touch laughing. with things. I'm laughing because on one of our friends threads that I have a friend of mine who love him, but he put out on the thread, does anybody have a fax machine? Oh my god, the abuse. Is- what century are you working in?
0: Yeah. Fax- Let me get my stone tablet and chisel and I'll write my yeah, friend's a yeah, pretty much. He, a fax-
1: he, he got a lot of abuse for it. Uh, so, that's hilarious. So we yeah. a fax machine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So let's hey, talk know, about are- Oh, sorry. I was going to say there are some people who are watching this just saying, but wait a minute, I got a fax machine.
0: Yeah, you can have one and you can play your games with people that have one and It's those CB radios. Like you can play with your friends that got one, but it's not a booming industry. And that's where the market intelligence comes in and the strategic plan. Exactly. Now you mentioned, I think a really powerful key word that there's no magic bullet. I think for a lot of problems for the right people, this can really help at least start pointing them. I always say movement over meditation. The one thing a monk won't tell you is that movement is better than meditation. You can meditate on how to play tennis all day, but until you go swing a racket and see what you're doing wrong, you have no idea. And so you mentioned prospecting and I think there's so much value in prospecting and there's so much that can be learned and probably, can you speak about prospecting a little bit in terms of
1: how it's done or maybe not done properly? What ha- when it comes to prospecting in sales, there is a, for- the, a, a sales system or a prospecting system. It is the number one used system in the world. I'll speak to the United States number one sales system used in the United States by the masses of salespeople. And it's abundant in the real estate and mortgage industry even more. And the name of the sales system is called winging it. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. What,
0: that's hope. Hope what is ha- not a strategy. Happens,
1: yeah. No, winging it is not a strategy. But what happens is when people wing it, there are some people that are just naturally able to do great things in sales, but that's not the majority. And that certainly wasn't me. I had to learn what right. I was doing because I learned in 1987, I didn't know what I was doing. And the concept of prospecting in sales is you get, if you just wing it and you get rewarded for it, your brain links up, wow, this works to now all of a sudden the impetus to change is basically eliminated because this mm-hmm. works. And if you're not looking at efficiency and effectiveness, it's interesting. I did a webinar today for over 200 mortgage professionals about productivity. And if you're not focusing on what the results are that you're getting and how to make it better, yes, you can make money, but you are not making the max amount of money in the shortest Mm -hmm. amount of time, giving yourself the most financial freedom and actual physical freedom, life freedom. Mm -hmm. So the key to prospecting is to sit down and prepare. You've got to mm-hmm. learn. If you really want to make prospecting simple, it's in the preparation. Professional mm-hmm. athletes and sports teams spend a lot more time practicing than they do playing the games. Okay. Whether it's bas- it doesn't matter the sport. They practice a lot more time than they play, but sales professionals rarely practice and most sales professionals rarely prepare. And what I, what, what I do, what I make it easier for my clients is look, These are the five objections you're going to hear. So if I can give an example, if that's okay. So mortgage professionals Mm. are trying to get business from real estate professionals, and this could apply to any industry. It doesn't matter. So what are the objections you're going to hear from a realtor? I have an existing loan officer relationship. We have an in-house lender. I only do listings. I'm winding down my career. I had a bad experience with your company. Those are the five. Mm. The first three Mm. are the major ones. The first three are... I have an existing relationship. I have an in-house relationship. I only do listings. And I quiz veterans in our industry, not meaning long people 20, 30 years in the business and people who are new. I go, what do you say when they say that? And almost everyone will say the same thing. And they'll say something like, there's something that they can't do. Maybe you can let me take a look at it. And my response to the person who says that is, you just asked them for garbage. Uh, because the moment you can't do what they gave you, yeah. They're going to say, I have no reason to ever talk to you again. Yeah. I just give I give my clients a better way of responding to that challenge. And the first thing I do, so not going through the whole role play training here, but right. if you said that to me, I'd say, Daryl, I appreciate you being honest with me. I expected that you did have an existing relationship. If I stop there for a second, your brain doesn't know what to do with that. It's called a right. pattern interrupt <clears throat> because nobody's ever said that to you. And the fact that I just told you, I pre- thank you for being honest with me. It makes you hard to get harder for you to get rid of me because I, there's just no disagreement.
0: There's no negative. Right. Uh, there's no
1: bad. There's none of this. I just aligned with you. I thank you. So thank you for being honest. With you. I appreciate that. You, uh, you know, I appreciate being honest with me. I was hoping I could ask you a question. And then that question goes into setting up your value proposition to find a pain point or an opportunity. And this formula works in pretty much any industry. It is so simple. Now there's more to it. There's more preparation. But the amazing thing is that very few people will ever go this far to get better. Mm-hmm. And it's really that simple. Now they might say, well, I don't. if I do this myself, I don't know what to say. Okay, you may not know what to say, but I have resources or the trainers and coaches have resources that would tell you what to say. Mm-hmm. But you got to be willing to take the time to learn and that's why so many people just struggle. So you talked about what is the biggest thing in product? It's preparing for what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And very few people are willing to put the effort in because they want the result. We've all heard this. I always get screwed Anecdote. I always get screwed up. I always get screwed up between anecdotes, metaphors, and what's that? That's one? Okay. What's that? So that's okay. Okay. Yeah. N- not important, but it's like sitting in front of a stove saying, give me fire, give me heat, and I'll give you wood. Yeah, doesn't work. And in our business, people say, "Give me the business, and then I'll do whatever." And it doesn't work that way. Which is why most people. And the second point that I want to make is they'll dabble in marketing, they'll dabble in prospecting, and that means they'll do one and done. They'll try. I tried it; it didn't work. Okay, what did you say? Yeah, I said what you told me to say. No, what did you say? Yeah. Tell me what. Then they'll tell me what they said. What question did you, say, question yeah, did you me, ask?
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. And they'll tell me and I'll look at them and I'll say on what planet did I ever tell you to say that? I go I didn't tell you to say that. I told you to say this. Yep. Like, oh yeah, you did. Yep. I go you filtered it? You softened it? You diluted it all because you didn't want to take the time to learn it.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. I we I had a martial arts, a uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu school before, and we used to say, you don't rise to the level of your expectations. You fall to the level of your training because every Mike, Mike Tyson, like that. This, every, everyone has a game plan until they get punched in the face. And that's the reality. They're like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to ask these seven things. And they go out there and there's distractions and they get a question they don't expect. And all of a sudden they, they don't forget. And it's that muscle reflex. It's that muscle memory, right? Like you got to have that drilled in where it's your default. Most people, that's the biggest benefit. Martial arts training, a lot of, if somebody attacks you, a lot of what people do is they like just turtle up and cover and that's all they do. And that's just your natural instinct. And a lot of what self-defense training is training you to respond differently. So your instinct is a different reflex. And so that's exactly what you're saying. You're saying that a lot of these people in the prospecting, it's in preparing of what to do when you finally get someone in front of you, because if sales... If people are just going to give you business, that's called order taking. So one of the things I talked about with sales strategy and skills was one of our factors, right? And that depends on the business model. So for example, McDonald's, their business model is to use impulse level price points and to sell via the ads and things like putting the playground for the kids in the store. So the level of sales skill and strategy is they just need order takers because it's impulse level price points. Right, and so it's the same thing. Are you we don't need you don't need sales skills. People are just going to give you the order. The sale starts when they say no. There's no selling until they say no at that point, because this is where you got to help overcome it, because you got to figure out the objections, right? You got to figure out the why, because otherwise they would just walk up and go, "Hey, here's my money. Let's do business." And because they're not doing that, you have to overcome all of those hurdles. You can't be afraid of them. Like we have such a pacifier sucking like culture right now where it's like my pronouns and this and
1: that. And I feel this. Tell the audience how you really feel darrell
0: <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. Like I just can't <laughs> toxic masculinity. Like I get that there's value in some of these statements, but at the same time, you don't want to throw the baby with the bathwater and you can't be afraid of life. People don't realize that this is a global economy right now. And there are people who will happily eat your lunch and will not think twice about it. And so you can't, yeah. What does it say? Yes. Timid, timid sales reps have skinny children. Like that's yes, that's exactly it. You can't be afraid of the no. And that's where I, another thing, forgive me, Ron. I know it's your interview, but I, <laughs> I think another thing is that I can start asking you questions. <laughs> yeah. I think it's good back and forth. I really value your I'm teasing input. you. I'm kidding. Um, I love this. What was I going to say? I was going to say something. I don't know now. I lost my train Sorry. of thought. A, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It was the gleam from your head. That's what it was. It just threw me off. There we go. <laughs> you,
1: sound like you, you, sound, you, you sound like my niece who calls me baldy. And yeah. you always say, I can't see. You're too shiny.
0: <laughs> but I remember what it was now. it's A lot of people are afraid of marketing and sales because they feel like they are their product, but it's not about you at all. It's all about the other person and what they need. And it needs to be a conversation about them and their situation. A lot of people show up and they think sales is being the singing and dancing bear when the reality is that you need, my personal opinion is that people need to spend two to three times more time and energy on qualifying people before they even start getting to what people are so eager, but it's like saying it out at a nightclub. Hey, will you sleep with me outside the ladies' bathroom? Hey, want to Hey, want hop in a bed? Want to hop in a bed without any Hi, How are you? Are you single? Are you looking for a partner?
1: There's none of that. It's yeah. What you just talked about is the core to everything that I teach. And that is, and I didn't come up with this. I just, I package it to make it real easy for realtors and loan officers. They don't have to figure it out. Right. There's a lot of great general sales training out there and all the great sales training, no matter how much they say, Oh, this is cutting edge. And this is new. And what there's nothing new. Okay. The secret to influence is not what, excuse me, not what you say it's what you ask. If you ask the right Ooh. questions, your audience, your, whomever you're talking to, if you ask the right questions, they'll tell you everything you need to know to find out if they qualify, if they're motivated, because unless people qualify and they're motivated, you can't make a sale. They qualified and motivated, and then they'll tell you what you need to do to get them to choose you. Because most salespeople are not prepared. They never work on these questions. They think about what do they have to say? Where I'm an advocate for, it's not about what you say, it's about what you ask. Because if you ask the right questions, you don't have to talk. Mm-hmm. You just listen and then you know what to do. And mm-hmm. you know, there are a whole bunch of other things that we where salespeople, because everybody wants to make the sale, mm-hmm. they actually do sales backwards. Yeah. What they yeah. do is they'll yeah. Yeah, they do it backwards. What they'll do is they'll say, "I want to find out if you qualify first, and then if you qualify, then I'm going to try and get you to like me." Yeah, <laughs> wait. <a laughs> thing, I'll try to win your. Tr- I'll try to win your trust because they don't want to waste time. And I'm about take the extra two minutes mm-hmm. to get them to like and trust you. Give them a different sales experience because if everybody's saying the same thing, then you just commoditized your own product. You mm-hmm. commoditized your own service. But if I give you a different experience right out of the gate. This is the difference and th- th- this is probably the best example to illustrate what we're talking about. I'll do in my trainings I'll say which response from a client would you rather get? Would you rather that when you give the interest rate to them, can talk about borrowers looking for a mortgage and they respond with, "Oh, that's high. I can get it, I can get it lower elsewhere." Or would you rather, "I've seen rates lower elsewhere." I go which one would you rather get? And everybody always says the second one. But right. I go Do you know what the difference is, why you got one versus the other? And nobody ever seems to know. I go in number one, you were a commodity. They didn't have, there was no relationship there. The second one, what they're saying is they can get a lower rate elsewhere. Tell me why I should do business with you. Yes, that's so powerful. The first one, one you can't come back from, you're dead. The second one, they're basically saying, okay, I don't love what you're telling me, but give me a reason why I should. And the funny thing is you me everybody who's going to watch this recording have all paid more for a product well, or service. That's right. Because of the perceived value. Yep. And people say mortgage is a mortgage and that's so not true. Yep. Yeah. You don't close on time and you lose the house? That's a problem. Yep. Okay? I had, I remember a long time ago when I owned my mortgage company. I had I was dealing with a client and he was like He's calling up and he's saying, whatever, asked me the rate. And I went through the whole thing and he goes, oh, but I can get a cheaper rate elsewhere. But he had told me he had been denied for it. So he goes, you know, what it was like half a percent lower and the rates had moved is really all that happened. He goes, but they told me, but I go, they denied you. He goes, yeah, but they offered me that. I go, but they denied you. So you're yeah, not, yeah. it took me five you minutes to get him to get. understand mm-hmm. I could get the deal done, but he was trying to tell me he could get a better rate. So I finally just said, I go, then go back to the company goes, but they denied me. I go. Exactly. Yeah. I love this. I love this. That's a circle. And I was like, scratching my head. Seriously. That's why I'm bull. Cause I just scratched my head. at so many, so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's great because that's like a real relationship thing where you're really taking care of the person. Like you're not abusing him in any way, then go to them and do the business. Listen, you have a problem and I'm here to solve it. And this is how I can solve it. And it's just, and that's the real sign of a professional when you don't flinch at the price because you one, you have standards. Listen, I like to get things done. I like to do a certain quality of work. And if it's not good for you, then it's okay. And this just comes from intimately knowing. I like, again, not everything is a sales event, but everything is a relationship event.
1: Yes. I like that. And so it's very true. And
0: that's, and what you said is really important. I always use the hot dog analogy that if you go, If you're on the street, you can buy a hot dog for three, four bucks. But if you're in a stadium watching a game, the hot dog, same hot dog is $12. The difference is the location. You could even take the super bowl. You can pirate it online for free and get a quality or quality version. You can pay, you can go to a bar, buy a meal and share the pay-per-view fee with a bunch of other strangers at a restaurant or pub. You can pay-per-view it at home yourself or with some friends. You can go get a ticket in the nosebleed section. You can get right on the, whatever your feet on the grass. You can pay an exorbitant amount of money to be in the big box in the corner. It's the same game. It's going to be the same outcome. Score is going to be the same no matter where you sat. But Mm -hmm. people want different prices for different experiences. So I think that's a really important part, which comes in knowing who you want to help, having your stereotype, your target market. And a lot of this will come from being in touch. Again, so many people, like as long as you got, I call it roof and ramen. As long as you got roof and ramen covered, you got a couple hot noodles and your roof over your head, then you really need to focus on excellence because markets are unknown and unknowable. And this speaks to what you're saying before. If people are doing business, then there's money to be sure. made, right? If, if I you, asked if... how many people are in market to buy a Tesla today? Like we could look at estimates and indicators, but no one really knows. It's unknown and unknowable and it changes every day. But everybody can recognize excellence. So if you just focus on solving a specific problem and being excellent at that, that can hopefully show, help you through the tough times better than others.
1: Oh, it's interesting that you just said Tesla. Because we have a mall near us for, that for years Tesla was in that mall, mm. and but now they have showrooms and whatever. But there's another EV car company that's much higher end mm. than Tesla's. It's, it's I don't want to say double the price. I forgot what company it is. I don't know. If, is it Lucid? Mm-hmm. What, whatever the company is, and they're not even coming close to what Tesla's doing. Sure. But I went. I remember I went in. To find out, I just wanted to find out about the car. I wanted to see what it was. I wasn't in the market for a car, and the salesperson really was not able to articulate to me why this car was forty thousand dollars more than a Tesla. It did just didn't make it clear to me. Was it a little bit nicer than, yeah. inside than a Tesla? Yeah, but I'm looking at. It, I'm like not forty thousand dollars worth. And yeah. then when he started trying to explain the technology, I'm like. Not hearing, yeah, yeah, I'm getting lost in features here. I don't understand the benefit. Right, you're not creating the value for me. And needless to say, no, nobody's even come close to creating the value in the EV market as Tesla has. Again, I don't own a Tesla, and there's more and more electric cars, EV cars coming out. But in order to compete, you have to be able to present what your value proposition is. And if you can't present it, you can't survive. And it's, I love this
0: too. Elon was so in tune with the market. He made $300 million pre-selling a car he had no team and factory to make. People forget that. He identified a problem and a want and a need that was so big. He collected over $300 million in $1,000 down payments for a car he had no team and company and factory to make. He had a minimal viable product and said, hey, this is what it would be and look like. Who This is what it does. This is the value, but it was excellent. And people loved the idea and it was fit in. And then they financed the building of the factory to get the thing. I had a, in my hometown in Canada, there was a gym that was trying starting to open up. Well, I won't mention the brand. It doesn't matter. But there's a gym that was opening up and they were renovating this building right beside the mall and they had a trailer outside and they were signing up people for pre-orders for this gym. And actually, I actually can contrast this because a couple of years later, I saw the same thing happen, but different outcome. So there's one gym, big chain. They're opening up this gym. They're renovating inside the building. They have a trailer outside. They're signing people up and they've got the opening day fly banners and all that. And it's like a couple months in the future, two, three, four months, whatever, I forget. But all I know is that one day I walked by and everything was gone. The construction stopped. The van was gone, all this stuff. And i was like, that's really crazy. And I talked to a friend that had worked for them. They said, oh, we couldn't hit our, we didn't hit our opening day quota for pre, like membership pre-signups. We refunded everybody. They just canceled the project. So they had done research. And they had started renovating the building and then they started, they were like, we need to get this many members built before we launch and commit to this 20 year lease and blah, 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 blah. They must've negotiated some sort of deal with the lease and all that stuff. Now translate this. I saw another gym that did the similar thing, small business operator, and they tried to get people in and sign them up in advance when they open and they didn't hit their goals. Two, three years later, they closed down and the owner was over 250 grand in debt from the rent alone just because of the the release because they couldn't hit their numbers and he had already overcommitted to it. So uh, just the value, I think in this is just understanding the market, being in touch with what people want and that, that close relationship, being able to talk about the problem, being able to articulate that. I think that's a really important one. Cause like you said, this company, they're just really a me too. Hey, Tesla's making money. Me too. Mm -hmm. We want to make a lot of money. So we'll make a fancier version. Okay. But why is it better? Why is it better? Why would I pay more? And what's
1: interesting is I was listening and they were talking about the EV market and they were saying, there's so many companies that have jumped into the EV market that have already gone out of business. We just don't know about them. We don't hear about them. They start, they stop and they're gone. And the question was asked or not the question, rhetorical question was asked. What if you buy a car, an EV car, and the company goes out of business? all ability to service that car that is car. Down. Yeah. because there's no aftermarket as there is in yep. gasoline engines yeah and there won't be there won't be maybe down the road but not anytime soon an aftermarket an EV aftermarket supply chain yep. because the cost of doing it versus what you'll get when most of these cars are going to be on, under warranty for many years there's no place for it Yep. so if you buy a company that you don't know if it's good, buy a car from a company that you don't know if it's going to make it you might be stuck with something that becomes a giant paperweight in your driveway and a right. hassle to get rid of yep. because it's got a giant battery in it yeah environmental issue By the way, yep. i'm not away would i buy an ev from B, from bmw yeah because they're not going anywhere when i get it from right. tesla they're not going anywhere but these some of these other companies these luxury ev car you don't know that they're going to be there
0: yeah 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 100% 100% so now I want to be respectful of your time. We still have a little time, sure. but I want to ask what having worked with all skills and even internationally, obviously, you just got back from Australia in that, what are some of the habits that you feel the most successful people have? We talked about some skills here and hard work versus talent, that sort of thing. But overall, to be successful and to maintain success for 10, 20 plus years, what habits do you feel are like mission critical?
1: One is consistency. That there is no don't deal with the silver bullet syndrome where I just want to do it and the magic doesn't happen. It is consistency. That's one. Two, if you do something and it doesn't work, look at yourself and ask, did I do it enough? Did I execute it properly? And go back and check yourself to see if you even did it right. Three set standards for yourself and how you're going to work. I came up with this anecdote years ago It's called the mirror test. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, this person was standing in front of me looking to, for me to hire them based upon their skills, their knowledge and their work ethic. Would you hire them? And you know what? Most people will say no. Yep. Most yeah. people in sales, especially if they of they would say no. So then I'd say, I don't say quit the business. I say, write down, the ideal person that you would hire, become that person mm. and be willing to just, you got to take a leap of faith. I don't know. It's really a skill, but it's a leap of faith that if you're doing something that's proven to work, then master it. You don't, there's very few businesses that I think your audience, that your audience is going to be, they're creating a new market. Mm-hmm. They're creating a, right. you know, again, I don't right. know enough about your audience, but the mass, the odds are that yeah, they're nothing new under individuals the sun. that are in existing businesses. One of the oldest success formulas out there is modeling. Look at what somebody's doing, understand what they're doing and duplicate it. Now, Sometimes people get caught up. Oh, that person is very outgoing and boisterous and egotistical or whatever. And that's why they're successful. No, that's not why they're successful. This, there are skills that are embedded in what they are doing that are making them successful. Because what's interesting is that individual, the people that are attracted to that individual may not be the same clientele that you're going to attract. See, I don't work with anybody with a big ego. I just don't. Why? Because I don't attract them Mm. because I'm not looking for them. I have a certain model or avatar of who my ideal client is. I do very well in my space and I don't need the client that needs their name up in lights because- that's a distraction from what we're trying to accomplish, okay? I'm not looking to, wow, you got this, you got. That. I'm not going to feed anybody's ego, not because I don't it's because I don't have one. Yep. I'm like, my son, I love my son. He's 30 years old, he's in sales, he's in real estate, but different kind of real estate, and he was telling me a story the other day where he was dealing with a client who and my son is is low key, especially on money, low key. And He was meeting the guy at the property or whatever. And the guy was like pointing, yeah, I just got this BMW, whatever, 760 or whatever it is. And my son told me, he goes, he looked over, he goes, that's nice. Okay. And then he went right back to the agreement and the guy got pissed. It's so funny.
0: Yeah. People like
1: that, they, they're flashes in the pan.
0: They're chasing ladders up the wrong. My, my personal opinion, I think.
1: Yeah. Look, so some people are very successful and they feel that they need to tell the world. I've got no problem with that. That's who they are. And that's how they want to live their life. That's fine. It doesn't affect me. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going to play well with that person because I'm not, I'm not perfect. And I don't think the whole world, the world would be a boring place if everybody was like me or you. True. We need diversity. I'm going to respect differences, but I know what my lane is. (laughs) Probably the best message I could give to this whole thing is figure out who your ideal client is. Mm. Who do you enjoy working with and who enjoys working with you? Mm. Get really clear on that. And the law of attraction will bring those people into your life and into your business. I think that's
0: a really powerful message. Probably one of the best, probably like I, a huge thing. This call has been so good. There's been so many nuggets. People probably want to listen to it more than once. Ron, is there anything I haven't asked you that
1: I should have asked you? The way I finish my interviews when I interviews others, What's the one thing that we haven't discussed that the audience needs to hear? So I just asked myself that question. What is the one thing? And I would say, you don't need the skills to believe in yourself. You just have to believe that you can learn what you need to learn Mm. and then just take action on it. You don't need, if you're in a business, never approach a business that says, let me see if I can make money in this business. All you got to do is look around and say, mm-hmm. "Are there people making money in this business?" And if they are, they say, hey, "If they can do it, I can do it." I just got to figure out the difference between me and them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's powerful. That's powerful. That would be the great. That would be the thing. Yeah. And I spent many years of my life trying to compare myself to other people, and yeah, no, it's not. Like- today, I just don't care. Yeah, I think
0: that's a. I think that happens as you get older. You start seeing how much BS other people are, and the smoke and mirrors and the facades and the status games. And you're just like, I'm just, are you suggesting
1: people take pictures in front of cars and boats and planes that they don't own and put it on social (laughs) media? Are you suggesting that would never happen? That would never happen. Never. (laughs) Can can I share one little thing? Because this just happened today. Do it. it. Okay. I actually, I'm not putting it out on social media because I don't feel like dealing with the battle that will ensue from it, but I'm sending it out to my membership of people that I work with. I don't scroll through social media. I go on First of all, I don't even go on yeah. Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. We post on LinkedIn. I post tips and what have you for mortgage and real estate professionals. And but invariably when you go on your phone, you yeah, there's always one there, there is one thing in the feed that you're going to see. So today one pops up and I'm sure at least one person watching this video has probably seen it and it was a video of a bird picking up like a colored paper or something from a colored bin walking across this platform and putting it in the same color bin on the other side. And it did it for 10 different colors. I'm like, okay, I go, so then I just go a little further. I go, I got to see how many people have liked this over 20,000. And I'm like, okay, that in and of itself is disturbing. But then I said, I want to see how many people commented. And I never look at comments. Six, as of when I saw it, 687. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got to see what people are writing here.
0: Yeah. And this is
1: coming me off of my doing my productivity webinar today. I start scrolling in, and there are a couple of people making comments or whatever. Birds aren't that smart, but there are people writing narratives about the intelligence of birds. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, get a life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because (laughs) I guarantee you are not a bird. I'm looking at some of what these people do, it has nothing to do with it. And you can tell that birds are not a hobby. And I'm thinking to myself, if you just put this time and energy and effort into your life and your business and helping others, where would we be? But then I got pissed, See the language, because a few days ago, and this is what I made the video about. What I got upset about is a few days ago, that feed that showed up was a gentleman. I don't remember what he did, but it was a feed. I don't know how he showed up. And he said, he goes, my daughter is missing and I'm asking for help in trying to locate her. It's not, she's not drugs or anything else, but she does have some issues and we are worried sick about her. I, I get choked up because I read this thing a couple of times Yeah, and I'm just looking for people to help. And I looked down, I was the eighth and then That's I terrible. looked over at comments, zero. Of course I liked it, I reposted it and I made a comment, I just said, I hope you your daughter returns safely soon. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, Twenty thousand people are, yeah, liking are liking a bird, a bird. Putting it in yeah. a colored cup. Yep, and seven people, eight people, thus far are liking someone whose daughter's missing. Yeah, our values in this world are yeah. really. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, that happened. Uh, that it- happened with a friend in, when I was living on Palawan in the Philippines. There was a girl that went missing, a friend of mine's daughter, and I spent like a couple hundred bucks just advertising on Facebook, targeting all the airports. Like this missing person ad and all like the city. And then I targeted all the airports. If they're trying to get her out of here, I want her face everywhere on everyone's phone and every airport that you could get to in in this kind of time. They ended up did finding her. She took off with some boyfriend, but yeah, but you didn't I, think that's, I think that's really powerful and really important. That's why I just wanted to add that comment. Cause if that happens to anybody, like you mentioned, it's not necessarily yes. going to be as trending as a cat video. Go spend a few hundred on ads. You can target so precisely transportation centers airports, age groups, that's like you can, yeah. And it's, I think it's a good message too that the future generation, but we really need to take care of ourselves. We also need to take care of the planet and our friends, uh, sorry, and our kids for the future. Now, I don't think that means we need COVID, uh, climate lockdowns, but don't we'll go, go there. This. Yeah,
1: we will go let's there. Let's not go there. Yeah, let's have go a good there. hour.
0: Go check out Ron Weinberg, Ve- Ve- Bam, Bamberg. I said it wrong. V-A-I-M-B-E-R-G, yeah. v- a- Ron- V-A-I-M-B-E-R-G. Ron, V-A-I-M-B-E-R-G. Go check him out on LinkedIn. You can also go to ronvamberg.com, R-O-N-V-A-I-M-B-E-R-G.com. Check out his website. Obviously, he's got great content. Like you said, he's on LinkedIn, posting stuff all the time. He just did a great post a few hours ago about value propositions. You don't know yours, go check that out. Ron, thank thank you you so much for coming and sharing. I know you've got your own following and your own audience, and I just really appreciate you coming and sharing with mine.
1: been a blast doing this with you. And I thank you for the opportunity. And I appreciate your audience taking the time to listen to you and I. They made it this far. They've been with us for an hour.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. So thank you all.